Welcome to the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us every week as we interview industry leaders and experts to uncover the ways they're finding sales success today. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. How the hell are you doing? That's what I said, how the hell. Not just how you doing. It's a how the hell are you doing kind of day. It's Daryl here. Good to see you again. It really is. 2021. <laughs> it's been an interesting time, hasn't it, folks? I mean, man, you've got the hottest ticket in town is Clubhouse, it seems. Uh, we'll have a conversation on that one. I'm not sure I'm sold on it, but I do find it intriguing. Uh, you've got uh, political turmoil and transition happening in the U.S. Uh, so hopefully, whether you're a Republican or Democrat or independent, I just, you know, I just hope 2021 is a, is a little less conflict-centric and a little more together for, as we move forward for you folks, because I love you all, and that's hard to live in. I get you. Especially as we're trying to have our own new normal, right? We continue to work from home, continue to try to hit our quotas. Oh, my goodness, it's interesting. You know what's... Um, what, I've, what I spend a lot of time doing these days, I don't know if I've shared this with you guys, is, uh, is fielding calls. Believe it or not, I get a, I get a lot of people calling me, um, which is the first part is questionable. Why the hell would you call you, Prale? But they're actually calling me for career advice and uh, looking for a little bit of mentorship, looking for advice. And I'm active in a handful of communities. Um, on the marketing side, there's a community I belong to for CMOs. And before I was CRO, as you recall, I was a CMO. And so I was on that one. It's a community called Peak. And it's for CMOs and emerging CMOs. And that's a really interesting community. You know, we don't talk about things like, you know, what are your open rights or what's the latest and greatest, you know, hacks to game LinkedIn. Uh, we talk more about executive stuff, budgets and people and boards and all that kind of stuff. But uh, what's always interesting is because it's for CMOs and emerging CMOs is they'll actually, I'll get a lot of people who uh, will reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I'm, um, I'm a marketing director and I want to be either VP of marketing or CMO one day. So uh, can I bend your ear and understand your journey? Because Daryl, not only were you a CMO multiple times over, but now you've done even stupidest thing of all in your career. She became a CRO and I'm not sure I could ever have the, you know, the, the balls to do that, but you know, you did it and most marketers never get there. So how, I, I need to learn from you. What did you do? Right. What, you know, help me learn from my mistakes. And it's, and I love that they do that. And the reason I do that, the reason I give them time. And by the way, I do the exact same thing on sales. I have a lot of sales calls. I have a lot of other, uh, zeros, like fresh zeros, just like me. And we actually get together and we talk and we compare notes and, uh, it's fun. And I, I look back in my career and as I made that transition from being a marketer to being a marketing leader, same way I made the same transition from being a bag carrying sales rep to being a sales leader is I went to my peers and colleagues whom I worked with and alongside and full admission in those days, uh, LinkedIn was uh, either non-existent or very nascent and it certainly wasn't it was today. Twitter didn't exist. Facebook, I'm not, I don't even think Facebook existed. Uh, and Lord knows Clubhouse didn't exist. So I actually had to go talk to people. It's crazy. And I remember where, uh, my, one of my hardest transitions, I, I, there's two things that I struggled with when I transitioned into management. So if you have aspirations for this, learn from me. 
The one I transitioned was moving from a, uh, a doer, someone who executes and just gets it done, to somebody who actually manages doers, which means it's no longer incumbent upon you. And that's really hard. I got to tell you, that's hard because it's like almost like, you know, oh, you suck at this. Here, hold my beer, stand out of the way. I'll show you how it's done. And the reality is that's not how they learn. That's not how you learn. You, know, you learn by doing. So my, I had to learn to delegate. I had to learn that they were going to do things differently than I was going to do. I had to learn that what mattered not was necessarily the, um, the tactics and the techniques, but the outcomes. Um, and I had to learn to trust. That was hard. I had to learn to show restraint. That was hard. I had to learn to show patience. Oh, I still struggle with that. The, uh, the other thing was kind of interesting as I went through the whole process of uh, learning and, and it was I talked, when I talked to my peers was I said, how do you succeed in these meetings, these executive meetings where all the decisions are made? Because I'm just getting shot down time and time and time again. And this one fellow, he was a chief technology officer. He had to be 60 years old if he was a day. And he shut the door and he started laughing at me. He goes, oh, Daryl, 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 Daryl. He goes, here's what you need to know. Decisions aren't made in the meeting. Decisions are made long before the meeting. Because you're getting shot down because you're going to the meeting thinking it's a decision-making process. And here's my idea. And what do you think? He goes, when I go in, I've already talked to every single person in that room for one, two, three, four weeks or more. I've got their input. I've refined what I'm saying based on that feedback. So now I have ownership. I'm buying. They're invested. So when I bring it up formally to be voted on and, and a decision made to go, no go, everybody in that room is already on my side. And I'm like, holy shit, are you serious? Rocked my world. Now think about it. How does that strategy play out? That strategy just doesn't apply to sales leadership or marketing leadership or any kind of leadership. That plays out in sales. In sales, if you really want to get that big deal done, you go and you canvas all of the influencers in the deal, different roles and positions. You get their input and you refine your approach. At least that's what you should do. If you're not doing it, that's an issue. So whether what you do now in sales is exactly what you're going to do as you go through your career. That's what I'm really trying to tell you that. I wouldn't have known this if I didn't have mentors along the way. And that's exactly why I give back. Mentors are everything. The other thing I learned really fast was you never know when you get your ass handed to you and sent out the door and packing. If you didn't have that network, no matter how good you were with the mentors, you were dead in the water. So your career, guys and gals, comes down to two things. Do you have the network to make sure you're going to be viable, you're going to be sustainable, that you're going to be able to earn a living wage? And do you have the mentors to help you grow and achieve the goals you want to do? Sales is about that. Marketing is about that. Being a bricklayer is about that. This is just good career skills one-on-one. So I thought to myself, who's the right person to talk about this? And there's this poster child. There's this poster child of an individual who has just demonstrated how building a network and building a series of mentors where it's a win-win dynamic can propel you to great heights, to great wins, to great victories. It's staggering what this individual has accomplished in such a short period of time. And I am thrilled to have her here today. Everybody, put your hands together for Galem Girmay. Galem, how are you, my friend? I am so good. And that was one of the nicest compliments that I've ever received, being a poster child. Thank you. Oh, well, you are. I, I mean, I, and here's the thing about Galem, right? 
Galen's a, she, a, Galen is one of the, when I say you're a poster child, you are. So, so there's a couple of things. One thing about Galen, she's a poster child. The other thing is really annoying about Galen, and this is an honest to God thing, like you just want to slap her, is she's so damn nice. You know, if you want to be a poster child because they clawed their way to the top and they get out of my way and you're like, okay, testosterone, you know, get out of my way, whatever. No, she did it by being a freaking nice person and high integrity. And I think that's what makes you stand out so much. That's to me why you're a poster child. Like who doesn't love you, Gail? Do you, I mean, in all sincerity, do you have anybody who doesn't like you? I just, I got to ask you that. I don't know because I don't care really if they do or don't like me. I'm sure there are people who find me annoying or frustrating. I don't know that there had definitely been in, in my previous part of my life. I remember in high school, people did not like me. Um, and in college, I wasn't that involved and people probably didn't like me for that. But there's always going to be people around you, no matter where you are and what you do, that are either going to be threatened by you or just not support you or don't like you for who you are or the position that you're in or your aspirations and ambitions and all that stuff. Um, I've just come to learn over time that it doesn't really matter because that's not I don't care about other people's opinions about myself. Uh, not to say it doesn't affect me when people don't have something positive to say. Of course it does. We're all human beings. But I tend to meditate that shit away. <laughs> Look at the oxymoron I say. I tend to meditate. I'm just thinking in my mind. Hum, that shit away. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. And it's so true because, you know, I myself, I, I have no problem telling people I was a total loner in school. And I was a loner again in college, whenever I started these processes. And I stuck to my guns about what I thought was important, which means I took a lot of abuse and teasing and torment and taunt, uh, taunting as you get in school. School is just like, oh, my gosh. School. I can't believe we leave school sane sometimes. And then it, for me, it was around I was maybe 15 years old in high school. And I started. I suddenly realized the power of humor. For me, I was able to use humor to get accepted and to become, if you will, an influencer in the high school ranks. But then I left and I went to college, you know, now you're 18 and you're doing it all over again, I mean, different city, different people. And, and you started from ground zero. And it was the end of my second year that I suddenly started to realize, oh, I see what's going on here. And then I had an amazing career with great visibility and everything else after that. It takes time, but you're right. I don't give a shit. I love it. So that's the whole point. That's why the whole idea of I'm going to network and, and protect myself by being a bro, if you will, whether you're male or female, because that's how you fit in. That's not how you fit in. That's not how you have success. Being a bro, I'm telling you right now, the ass slapping, the back slapping, the derogatory comments about your peers, stay away from that. All right. I want to talk to you, my good friend, Galen, about a couple things. I want to now, so those who don't know, all right. So, if you don't know, Galen, you should be following her right now. So, it's Galen Girmai, and she's, of course, on LinkedIn, but she's also massive on Twitter. In fact, if you haven't checked it out, check out her midweek rants. I'm just going to say that to you. Check it out. You're going to love it. Uh, she's big on you know, Instagram, and most recently, she's on Clubhouse. And Galen is the reason that I'm on Clubhouse. She gave you one of her invites, so she's a rock star. I love her for that. Uh, and she didn't have to do that because she was already scheduled to be on the show. So, you know, that she did it again because she was just freaking nice. Um, I want to talk to you about every single sales rep out there who looks at you and say, like, like, 
I've seen Galen become, you know, uh, very visible, whether it's on social media or it's your involvement at Rev Genius or the influence you have on other people, how you connect the dots. Like you're a matchmaker. I watch you connect people nonstop, which is part of adding value with no ask in return. Um, I'm going to talk to you about that. And I want to talk to you about the importance of building a network around yourself. But first, we're going to go for a little break so that way we're not interrupted. Everybody, I got, I've got Gatem Girmai here. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. All right. I want to talk to you first and foremost about mentorship, about career paths. What if I were to stop you in the street because I'd see you, I'm like, is that Galen? Is that Galen? Then I stop you. I said, Galen. Yeah. Will you be my mentor? Should I do that? Do people do that to you? Have you done that to people? And if so, why did you do it? What was your goal? What was your objective? And how did you figure out who could be a mentor and who might not be a mentor? Just talk to me about, you know, help me understand and learn from you so that our audience can take your approaches and apply it to their own situation. Yeah, for me, I mean, that's so awkward to me to just stop someone as if they're like this celebrity. I don't like to look at people as if they're the shit. They're just other human beings. And that's it for me. And I don't like if anyone has never happened to me, you know, ever. But if anyone were like that towards me, I would be like, that's a red flag. You're weird. Why don't you just talk to me like another human being? I would be, it would just be awkward to me. And I don't know what I would respond with. And I would probably feel like, like Beyonce, you know, where people are just like, oh my God, Beyonce. I don't want to feel like that. Um, but what, what I've been doing over the past eight to 10 months is all virtual. Like I've just lived in a virtual world like many others. And so that's been my way of reaching out to people, finding mentors, building a network, making friends uh, like you, Daryl. It's just by connecting with people online and utilizing and matching people up. Like if I know you know somebody that I'm interested and curious about, and I'm also like this is part of my personality, I'm very direct. I would just go and ask you like, hey. I know that you know this person that I'm really curious about. Do you mind making an introduction for me? And if I have already created a relationship with you, which I have, I already know before asking you that you won't have a problem making that happen. So for me, it's not about like 
per se being nice. It's just more about being intentional and being strategic and thoughtful about my involvement and who I reach out to and why I reach out to them. I wouldn't just randomly reach out to someone just because they seem to be a nice person unless I've heard something interesting about that individual that I want to have a conversation with them about. So there's already a couple of things going on for you when I hear you say that. One, you're already aware of the community. So you you are, by default, as you're building out your mentorship and asking for help or doing the matchmaking or, or just seeking advice or seeking a referral, so whether it's personal or business-related, is your the precursor to you your ability to do that is you're in the community, whether it be a Rev Genius or a Twitter or a LinkedIn or an Instagram. So you already have developed, shall we say, some online relationships. And then that allows you to take an individual connection and make that ask. And the second thing I heard you say was, I love that you said it, was you didn't give a shit first part. So you, it, it's mindset. I've talked about mindset before and it really does come down to mindsets. You know, you're not going, should I, shouldn't I? It's just like, of course I'm going to ask you. And of course you're going to give it to me. And the reason that is though, is because one of the things about you specifically, Galen, is uh, two, probably two things in the mind. One is you're a very generous person. Like in other words, people there's, you know, again, folks, for those who don't, I've said this over and over again, 90 plus percent of the social online community are lurkers. You ever go to a community with, like, I'll use Rev Genius, maybe it's Thursday night sales, whatever. All right. You go and watch that. And no matter where they are in their hierarchy, they're just brand new in their career or they're a seasoned executive. 90% of those people on those calls or those live streams don't talk. And they're the same way on social. They lurk. So they're watching your behavior. And what we see when we watch you, Galem, is the fact that you are intentional. We see you connecting the dots. We see you adding value. We see you asking questions, right? So the Clubhouse was a really good example. I shared folks that she gave me one of her Clubhouse invites. She literally just went to Twitter and she posted out there for the world to see, I've got three invites. Who wants one? And what's interesting about that is there was nothing in it for her. And she could have been more specific and said, hey, Billy, hey, Sally, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You want to get in? And now now you owe me a chit, right? I'm going to withdraw on that later on. But she didn't do that. She just gave to the community. Everybody sees that. So when Galen comes back to you and asks you for something, of course you're going to do it. Talk to me about that because you could have, Clubhouse is an example, you could have very easily held on to those invites and hand them out to strategic people who could help you later on, maybe people in positions of authority, power, whatever. Why did you do that and what's your advice to people who don't do that? Yeah, uh, and, and I thought about that too. I always make calculated decisions um, and I thought because you can see a list in, in your own contacts, like, oh, this person is not here yet. Do you want to invite them to this particular app? And I saw a couple of people that I'm good friends with, and I thought about it for a second, but then there was nothing that they've said before that they're interested in this. And there were certain people that I've even mentioned it to who was not interested at the time a couple of months ago. So I thought, I'm not going to go in with the assumption to waste these three invites on someone who may not accept it or be interested in it. And I also don't feel like bringing it up again. 
So I'm just going to put it out there. And before I even posted it on Twitter, I posted it on my Instagram because there are tons of lurkers there. I would have hundreds of people looking at what I post on my story, but only a handful would actually engage with it. So, so there's that. And that's the thing about communities, regardless if it's a Slack community, LinkedIn, or any socials, is that you can have tons of connections and people, but that doesn't mean that, that you have great engagement and following. And that will go with you regardless of which platform that you migrate into. But with the Clubhouse thing, I was just like, I'm going to put it out there into the universe and see who's interested. So I did. A few people reached out and they were interested. And I gave out the first two, no questions asked. Then I had the third and the last one. And I had two, three other people who were interested in it too. But the reason why I didn't give it to either one of those and gave it to you, Daryl, who was the third or fourth person asking for it or interested in, in getting on was the fact that you and I have already talked before versus the other ones, they were just random people to me and I had no connection to them whatsoever. Now they just wanted to utilize this invite that I had and they didn't know how many more I had left, how many I'd already given away. But I had to make that decision. And I said, I either give it to Daryl, who I already know and have built a relationship with, or I give it to this random person who probably would never join me in the clubhouse room or create a room with me there anyway. So I gave it to you. See, that's brilliant. That is, and that's the story that we need more of. So again, guys, inside, inside social, it's all about helping you how to execute on a tactical level. And what I'm showing you is here's an individual who has been very intentional about her career while simultaneously not giving a shit and while simultaneously, um, how do I put this? Valuing the importance of relationships. You know, she understands it's not about, it's not necessarily transactional. That's what I'm trying to get at. And too many of you treat you as transactional. So then I have to ask you this, Galen, because you know, your career is just, I know you've been doing really, really well, but this last year has been a blow up year for you. But before that, for it to be a blow up year, you had to be at a certain state of knowledge and readiness for that to be able to happen. How did you go about getting advice and mentorship and what, and what lessons can you share for others here? that you've learned good and bad. Yeah, I think uh, before kind of the, the blow up uh, in, it was around March of 2020 is when I got really involved, really, really hyper intentional and focused on executing to grow and to build my career. And now at the very end of that year, I just made a huge move in my career into a different company, different position. And it's changing a lot in terms of even more so how intentional I, are, I am with the time I'm spending and with the people around me uh, in my career. I really am focused on building a long-term career in sales and I made the right move for myself and my family to do that. So that's what's happening for me on, on a professional side of things. But it's the thing about being uh, focused and like you said earlier, it's not transactional for me. It's about building those relationships and I had reached back in, you know, March, April last year, 
I had reached what I call a fuck it level, which means like, okay, what do I have to lose? Absolutely nothing uh, by getting involved, by putting myself out there other than part of what I wanted to kind of uh, protect about myself. I was not feeling as confident back then as I do today about who I am and what I have to share with the world. And I was afraid of being judged by who I am. But then I reached this level of just like, what do I have to lose? Absolutely nothing. It doesn't hurt to try it. Let me see where this goes. And that's what I did. And, and that's how I ended up where I was uh, in end of last year and continue to going to now. And those relationships were the most critical for me. I was at a point of, I am desperate for information. I'm, I'm desperate for connections. And I really want to just meet other people and learn from them so I can improve my life and my career. So there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. So I can relate to so much of what you're saying. My Part of my story, I've shared this with others. There's one I haven't, I don't know if I've shared before. Um, so for me, early in my career, early issue in my career, I had a boss who was brutal. They hired me and then I never saw them again. And then the one time they came and they said something completely stupid to me based on what their wife thought was important, not them, as a boss, a, a supposed mentor. And I was so frustrated. I was ready to get fired because I just felt like I was flailing. I got to that fuck it level, as you said. I love it. Where I said, screw it. I'm just going to do what I think needs to be done because I trust in myself to have some skills. Yeah, I know I don't know everything yet, especially at that point in my career. Um, but I know what I'm doing now is not going to work. And I know what he's telling me is not going to work. So I'm just going to do it. And if I get fired, well, then I go about with my head held high as opposed to just being anxious and upset and withdrawn and doubting myself. And uh, instead what happened was I kicked ass. And the end of that year, he pulled me in his office. And he said, yeah, I know I sucked as a boss, but he gave me like a freaking massive raise. And he says, you were incredible. Just keep doing what you're doing. So there are moments in your career, exactly as Galen said, where you just have to finally say, fuck it and just do it. So I love that. The other part about you, but when you said, what do I have to lose? Okay. So when I started at Vanilla Soft, you know, LinkedIn was just a CV for me. That's all it was. But I knew I needed to be out there in the community because that was the modern way to sell and, and connect and network. So I finally said, okay, I guess I have to be a public figure. And part of networking is being a public figure. Galen, you're a public figure. I don't Whether you want to be or not, whether you're comfortable in your skin or not, that's what you have become. I've become that as well. Not I'm not Galen, but you know, I'm like little Galen. And it was the same thing. It was just like, this is what I have to do. I have to be intentional. There's too many of you who are not being intentional about your career, about the community, about your learning, about your mentorship. But when you are, I'm telling you, I have people come to me now and they're like, oh, I can never be you. Oh my gosh, you're legendary. Galen, I know you get, you're, you're Beyonce, as you just said. Your word's not mine, but hey, you're right. You're Beyonce, you know? And, and, and they look at you and say, I can never do that. But go back in time. You were just a normal person. Here's the, here's the thing I want to be very clear about. You're not supposed to be like other people. Yes. Be who you are and be confident in who you are and your abilities and get better than who you were before because you're constantly becoming a new version. Like who I was in 2020 and the things that I learned, now I'm at a new ceiling and now I have other places to go and other things to explore. So 
that's the whole point. And for me, like with my life, not just my career, but me as a person, what I've recognized is that I've always been the domino. And I think you are too, Daryl, in a lot of, of your ways and relationships and career moves like if you are the domino meaning like you start something and then other people tend to follow that uh, or you create an environment or a place or you do something that allows other people to look at it and say wow I can do that too that's being a domino and that's putting something in motion and that's what I'm here to do like it's just the idea of being that domino to empower other people to believe that, yeah, I can do that too. Because literally I am, if we go back to what you said earlier, the poster child, I don't see myself as that. But what I see is just somebody who went against all the odds that were against me. Because when you grow up in a country with parents who emigrated and you grow up in the foster care system, you're not supposed to graduate from college. You're not supposed to get a good job. You're not supposed to really be able to take care of yourself but somehow you manage to do that and I know other people who have been in similar same situations and you just have to find it within yourself to figure out who you are and what your superpower is and do more of that and get other people to do that too okay so let's just hit this all right for everybody out there Rhea, who thinks the answer to your career success is to be is to take shortcuts how do I gain LinkedIn and algorithms? How do I connect with influencers so they can hook me up with bigger influencers? How do I project the personality I think they want to be? I'm telling you, that doesn't work. And what you, what you end up getting is a handful of people just like you in an echo chamber telling you how awesome you are, but they're, they're going to leave you. They have no loyalty to you. It's, it doesn't work. But Galen's telling you, I've experienced it firsthand. She said, stop trying to be everybody else. She said, just be true to you. She goes, understand your superpower. I love that point. What's your superpower? For me, my superpower was that I can be a smart ass on video and I can wave my hands around and I can have high energy. That doesn't mean I'm smart. That's my superpower. I'm not a Scott Lease. I'm not a Galen Girai. I'm not a Benjamin Dennehy. I'm not a Jeb Blunt. That's my superpower. You got to get to that fuck it moment and you got to be genuine and biggest part is you have to be in the community. And if you give, they will give back. That's, that's what it's all about. Mentorship, networking comes from that. It's a lot of self-awareness. I asked the thing, Galem, you're very self-aware. You're very mature. So is this something that everybody can do? Of course. But I think a lot of people tend to look at the tactical things. How how do I do this? And the way I've started to think about it um, from professional and personal perspective is that everyone has a personal budget. Everyone has, uh, or hopefully I shouldn't say everyone because maybe there are people out there who are like, no, you're not speaking to me because I got laid off. I don't have an income. Well, then let's pretend, okay? Let's pretend you do have an income and whatever that number is, now, the actions that you're taking every day, money is going to get withdrawn from your account if you do the wrong thing. If you do the right thing, you will get more money. And that's how I look at my life. So if I'm sitting here sending an email to a prospect and all I'm talking about to this prospect is about me, this is why I'm great. This is why you should buy from me. 
well, guess what? I'm losing money. And I have this kind of tab that I keep track of, of, okay, Galen, you just spent three sentences in this email talking about you and your product. You just lost a thousand bucks. Now you're in the negatives. And then next day, all I did in a meeting was talking about me. Let's say that's what I did. Now I lost another 500. And I keep thinking in those terms. If, if I'm somebody, because I see too much of this, people are being self-serving all the time. They reach out to me and they say, hey, want to get time with you. Here's my calendar link. I'm like, and who gave you the right to send that to me? You just lost a thousand bucks. I'm not interested. You know, like, don't be that person. Think about how would this feel if somebody did this to you? And it wouldn't feel good. So don't do that to other people. When it comes to your career, when it comes to having success, when it comes to networking, when it comes to being mentored or being a mentor, when it comes to building a network around yourself, developing your own personal brand, you just had a masterclass today, folks. She said a few key things that resonate with me. Galen said, do the right thing. She said, find your I don't give a fuck moment. She says, use your superpower. She said, be the domino. Now, these may sound like cliches to some of you, but if you're really listening to what she said, what she said was, if you give to the community without expectation, they will give back. She wrapped it up with an analogy about, you know, what's your income and, you know, what does it cost you? Too many of you try to take shortcuts. Respect yourself. Have confidence in yourself to stop that shit. Be like Galen. Galen, I've had a fantastic time today. For those who don't know, again, all right, Galen Girmai, she is a sales executive at Go Contractor. Please follow her on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and on Clubhouse. She's a rock star. I really wanted to talk about Clubhouse. We've run out of time. Another day we'll do that. But in the meantime, Galen, you rock. I, I just thank you so much. Thank you. And so do you, Daryl. I love having you in my life and my circle. And I look forward to creating a room in Clubhouse with you to talk about Clubhouse. <laughs> I love it. That's it. We're out of time, folks. We're way out of time. My name is Daryl Prale. This is Galen Girmai. This, my friends, is another episode in the books. Remember, we're going to call it Be the Domino on the Inside Inside Sales Show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening to the show from today. Also, please feel free to share this program with your friends and colleagues. Thank you.